0: What is going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Ant and Big Red vs. the World. As always, I'm Big Red.
1: And I am still the one and only Average Ant.
0: And we got a great show for you today. Uh, had a busy last week or so. Big man Ant turned 21. Um, you know, special. Yep. And lots, of, <laughs> lots of things going on. Uh, so we're, we're getting this next episode to you here. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we're going to kind of get into some of the drama style of courtesy of the NFL. Uh, And then, of course, the team we love is off to a good start. So, Ann, you can tell a little more in depth about what we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, so we actually uh, got some drama coming full circle a little bit. (laughs) Like you said, we got some drama in the NFL, specifically Antonio Brown and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. And um, the other drama we got on the menu is the Lakers and the whole fiasco that just had gone down uh, probably about 30 minutes to an hour ago. With, uh, and then, um, we got some, we got some good, some good lighthearted material with the Mariners. Uh, probably the first time we haven't talked in a negative context with them so far, uh, since we've been doing this. So it'll be dope to get into that. And, um, so with that being said, I guess, uh, we can go ahead and get into our first, uh, topic.
0: Yeah. So, as most of you probably know, Antonio Brown has had a tumultuous offseason, demanding a trade to the Raiders. He got his wish, but he wasn't done talking. He has been living on social media constantly throughout this offseason, and it's given us plenty to talk about. And I, The Steelers locker room in general has given us plenty to talk about with Antonio and Le'Veon Bell and... I, just a whole lot of attacks going a lot of shade being thrown Antonio's already gone after Mike Tomlin in this offseason and now there's obvious confrontation between him and Juju um most recent tweets a few days ago going at each other and Juju being kind of confused why he's going at him like this uh but there is somewhat of a history, and it's a little something uh, I'm going to kind of break down in depth in a second here. But first, I want to get Ant's kind of first reaction to this this whole saga in general.
1: Yeah, my, my first and pretty much only reaction is that it's really silly, honestly, uh, especially from a guy like AB. I mean, pretty much his whole career up until like the last half of last season, he was kind of like a really well-respected kind of didn't really latch out or lash out like this so i don't know it was really kind of confusing to see him all over twitter going at a dude who a lot of people include myself included kind of thought as like a little brother kind of role that juju played with ab so i mean yeah just super silly confusing um Unfortunate, sour taste in my mouth from it. <laughs> I'll let you get into the timeline of this whole yes yeah, so absolutely fiasco. And,
0: I mean you just you mentioned it kinda it taints the way you look at Antonio Brown and the star underdog that he was. Um but I mean this specific beef it it it's confusing at first glance when you think about how Juju seems like a real likable guy. Seems like he was gonna make the offense way better and I guess AB kind of felt like the spotlight was stolen from a little bit. And so I guess where this all began with the whole Juju stuff, I'll kind of get into it is just about the time when Antonio Brown got traded over to the Raiders, Juju Smith tweeted out, I'm ready with a picture of him catching a touchdown against the Raiders and Antonio Brown looking on. Nothing really happened. AB didn't say anything about it. Later on in the offseason, Antonio Brown starts going after Big Ben with Le'Veon Bell as well. Soon after that, Juju Smith tweets out a picture of him hugging Big Ben, saying he's so blessed to enter the league and play with a Hall of Fame QB as a 20-year-old. Ben's taught me so much. He's a true leader. I can't wait to rock the season with this guy. So they're a little bit more of... Going right against AB. And of course, following that up, AB tweets out, do not listen to any NFL player who haven't got paid yet. They will do and say anything to make sure they're going to get paid, even if it's compromising integrity or anything. Sad but true. Juju Smith was asked about it on TMZ. He wasn't mad about it. Said, that's my guy, about AB. And kind of moved on. Then we're into the most recent debacle. What's been going down? A fan tweeted out, that Juju Smith was a Steelers 2018 most valuable player. AB, who a couple hours earlier had tweeted, keep your emotions off the internet, saw this, quote tweeted it, and said, emotion. Boy fumbled the whole postseason away in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind, too busy making guys famous, not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm Juju seem to react the same similar ways that we just did. Just even hearing it now, a few days later, tweets out, keep your emotions off the internet. Pretty much mocking AB from saying it a few hours ago, pretty quick after that follows it up with all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league. I was genuinely happy for him too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract and now he takes shots at me on social media. Crazy how big that ego got to be to take shots at people who show you love smh and then last thing which i thought was pretty funny uh juju tweeted out smh with a picture mark twain quote that says never argue with a fool onlookers may not be able to tell the difference and the last thing is ab instagrammed like old dms of him and juju where juju is basically asking him for advice and I I didn't really get that move. It was kind of weird. It was it was like a <laughs> it was like a bad diss track, you know? Like you get you get whooped, and then you just I don't know. Um, but it got deleted anyway, so that one's not a big deal. But I mean, all of that's crazy, crazy big build up between two guys that, like you said, we thought were mentor, little brother, big brother kind of dudes, just nasty receivers in the NFL. And now we're sitting in this point where obviously separate teams, AB is on your team, the Oakland Raiders. So I guess my big question to you right off the bat is how worried are you about Antonio Brown and his massive ego and social media presence? And just, he's a dude that claims he's, he's gotten paid. So he, he's someone you should listen to. So he's going to say whatever he wants to whoever he wants.
1: Um, I don't know I feel like uh a lot of this stuff isn't really gonna matter on the field as much as it does off um obviously you don't want a dude that you're paying 15-ish mil to to be just out here wilding out but I mean if he he's if he comes out and performs if he's remains one of the better receivers in the league if not the best then I mean I'm all good with it um it's honestly kind of fun given like the whole history of the raiders and how they've been looked at throughout history especially when they were good and um like kind of the reputation they had so i feel like this obviously isn't to that effect of like the prison raiders and all that but uh it's um definitely adds a layer and stuff like that but at the end of the day i mean it's it's not something you necessarily want to see i mean um, like I said, a dude you're paying fifteen mil who's not a quarterback um that's a ton of money, and you want all of his attention and focus to be on the field and um, like you mentioned, he's a dude that has already gotten paid, so what kind of makes me worry a little bit is is um since he's already gotten paid, is he just gonna kind of take the bag and that's it like are we gonna get Jamarcus Russell again, or um like what's going on with that um I guess something that kind of holds me back from actually thinking that. Is uh, that interview he had with the blonde mustache where he said that he's pretty much just playing ba- uh, baseball? He's pretty much just playing football for fun. Um, that he doesn't need the game, and so that in my eyes means that he's be- he's there because he wants to be there, not because he's getting paid to be there. So I mean, that's I guess a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really weird, especially um, when he's coming to a team where he will be the number one receiver, obviously. And it's going to be kind of weird to see how a receiving core kind of plays out with all this going down and how well it seemed that him and Juju were working together on the field and stuff. It's going to be weird. Or like the receivers in the Raiders receiving core, are they going to be kind of afraid to approach him, kind of be like separate themselves and create just a locker room tension and stuff like that. So I guess it's more locker room stuff that makes me more, that makes me worry about all this uh, more than uh, on the field. Yeah, head, and so. I mean
0: you got to you have to expect that Antonio Brown's going to walk back onto the football field and perform at the top tier level we expect him to at least for this season couple more. I mean age is a factor, but I I'm not super worried about it with AB right away. So I mean you, you that's all you can hope for is that he goes out and performs on the field and the talk stays talk. But I guess the big concern, like you mentioned, is even what I'm worried about, it would be an alienation of that locker room. And if that was his relationship with Big Ben, I mean, Derek Carr's certainly not going to be an imposing guy that's like, oh, I'm a Hall of Famer, I need control over everything. So he's not really going to have a huge issue there. But what if he doesn't like Derek Carr or whoever the Raiders end up with quarterback moving forward? And on top of that, other receivers. I... Say the Raiders have a young receiver that's trying to bud and break out. Are they going to feel alienated by AB if they start stealing some of the spotlight? So I mean, those are the kind of things you worry about a little bit. You hope Gruden can handle it. You hope that AB, when it comes time to play, he just plays, you know. And then it settles itself on the football field, and the Raiders put together a respectable
1: season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not worried about the Derek Carr, uh, Antonio Brown connection because they already seem to have. A pretty good relationship and all that. Um, I am somewhat worried about the Jay Gr- or John Gruden, um, Antonio Brown kind of relationship because John Gruden has shown to have a huge ego in the past. I mean, we even saw it this season with how he still was trying to play like a two thousands type of football in almost twenty twenty. So they both definitely have huge egos, especially now that AB just like snapped off and unleashed his final form in uh, his ego anyway. But um, it's, I don't know, that's just something because wide receivers and coaches do, um, if you look back at like the history of the NFL and stuff, there are rocky relationships and stuff and it has caused either coaches to be fired or players to be shipped off somewhere without getting much in return. And I mean, that's not something that you want when you have arguably the best. Well, yeah, receiver. and you could argue
0: that's exactly what happened with Antonio Brown to get him sent over to the Raiders. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough situation. But um, like Antonio Brown said, emotion. So uh, that's just all I'm hoping it is is just emotions and. Uh, he just he just happened a bad week or something like that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, well, I guess from one beef to, not really a beef at all. I just want to shout out Le'Veon Bell and the James Connor relationship. Uh, it's what no. all NFL brothers should strive for. Um, right about after seeing this nonsense with uh, AB and Juju, uh, Le'Veon tweeted out a text he got from James Connor, uh, his former teammate on the Steelers said what's up bro just reaching out social media got dudes acting crazy and it got me thinking You was always a real one never talked bad about nobody and was always solid I appreciate that congrats on the deal and a few probably some more stuff in there but and Le'Veon said I usually don't post private convos but this text just hit me differently love you to death bro so just shout out the love in the NFL gotta let it be known
1: (laughs) yeah I mean that's definitely stuff you like to see right there I mean hopefully in uh Five years or so we got we get a a b post about whatever receivers on the Raiders <laughs> and stuff like that, but uh, maybe maybe that's wishful thinking, but um I guess kind of side note too um Vonte perfect and a b are on and out teammates, and something to add to like the context and level of beef kind of going on between a b and Juju is obviously a b was uh concussed by Vontez. Uh, Juju gets him back and lays him out, standing up for AB. But uh, then AB welcomes Vontaze perfect Berfic- into Oakland with uh, open arms, and now he's beefing with Juju. So I guess uh, another another layer to the bean dip definitely, right there.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, do the Raiders play the Steelers this year?
1: Uh, probably, I'm pretty sure they play them like every year because they always beat them. So
0: well, that'll be exciting to watch
1: yeah for sure maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll get a we'll throw a b on defense we'll, do, we'll do a preview
0: before that one will get something going good uh, <laughs> but moving on from the off season we'll get into something that's right in the full swing uh the MLB and of course the Seattle Mariners everyone's pick at the beginning
1: of the best year. team in baseball best
0: for the World baseball. Series the Mariners and they're ten and two best team in baseball as average ant said what is going on no one expected this ant i first reaction right away 10 and 2 best offense in baseball uh that's all you got to know first take
1: first take i mean it's surprising <laughs> um i mean i'll be i was expecting those two wins against the a's we're we always, we uh, we we always do well and on opening days. but too. then uh yeah, so and then I'm I'm sitting here watching the Boston game, the techni- technical opening day of the MLB or whatever, and um, the Mariners' offense just goes off. They had like six home runs or something that game. So uh, like I was just sitting here watching it. Um, they were down to start the game or whatever, and then they just broke out. I think they ended up winning like twelve to four or something like that. So I was like, okay. And then they end up beating the Red Sox again, and then being in position to beat them again blowing it 100%. but then beating in the next game going three and four against the red Sox. so i mean after that series i was kind of like okay let's uh let's kind of ride this wave and i'm I'm on the bandwagon i'm or i'm not on the bandwagon because i've been a Mariners fan but i'm on the bandwagon of let's go let's uh mariner's best team in the league so uh, those are that's kind of my first uh reaction every game every game the mariner's go in um not hoping they win, I'm expecting they they win now just for the kind of uh commentary, I guess, memes if you want to say. But um, yeah, Mariners are playing good. It's a good day to be a Mariners fan. Or a good it's week. It's a to great be a week fan.
0: to be a Mariners fan. I mean, people that aren't buying in that are giving us the same old ah, uh, talk talk to me in June. I screw you. You know, like this is this isn't just a regular Mariners. This is the best start in franchise history. This is an offense that the MLB hasn't seen like this 32 home runs in 12 games. Most ever. That's crazy to open a season that this is exciting baseball to watch and whether or not you believe it's going to continue or not, that you need to be tuning into Mariners games right now, because for that exact reason, we don't know how long it's going to last. We could be sitting here in June, just regular, just like we were like, we always are every year and disappointed. But at least we got to see this kind of start. And, I mean, before we get deeper into it, I'll just point to today's game. So we're 10-2 and two right now. It is the bottom of the seventh inning against the Kansas City Royals. We're currently up 6-2 to two with 14 hits. In the seventh. In position to go to 11-2. and two. Now, if I jinxed it here, Big Red will not talk about the Mariners for two weeks. Literally won't say a word about them. But I don't <laughs> think I will. Because that's the kind of start these M's are off to. So you got to start tuning in right now. Um, but moving on from that, hopefully you're tuning in A and big red. Well, you know, you watch the game, then you turn us on, listen to what we think, you know, right? Um,
1: nah, get some post game, get some post game. Post game, uh, post game, t-
0: and red, you know. Um, but with that in mind, and I'll kind of let you just take it away on some, some of the big numbers that the M's are just putting up this year. It's pretty crazy in general.
1: Yeah, so I mean we we just got to focus on the offensive numbers cause there's nothing but good things to say about that. So, uh, my favorite stat, um, has to do with batting average. Uh, not that they're not the team average as a whole, I guess I would say, or where they rank as a team, but the amount of players they have hidden over 300, which is five, I believe as of about an hour ago. So things could have changed. They're still playing, uh, guy or two could have dropped down but um we're going with five so those that five was, was d gordon who was at 300 when i looked it up could be lower now. now i'm not sure edwin encarnacion domingo santana tim the goat beckham and daniel vogelbeck so that's uh five dudes hitting over 300 tim the goat beckham was over was at 400 when i looked it up And uh, Daniel Vogelback was at four seventy one. Obviously, has a smaller sample size, but I mean, uh, no, we're not disrespecting that man. (laughs) So uh, that's that's my favorite offensive stat. Obviously, like you mentioned, leading the league in home runs, stuff like that, runs as well. Pretty much the like power type of um, offensive stats. They're either leading the league, tops of the league, leading the AL, stuff like that. So I mean, it's it's just a crazy offensive show out I mean it's something that we don't that we don't see only as Mariner fans it's something that we don't really see as baseball fans that often so I guess that's kind of my first take of this uh historic start for yeah you mentioned as Mariners.
0: baseball fans we don't see this I mean it's it's on it's the Dodgers offense is doing really well as well they are off to a fantastic start uh, but up and down the Mariners line it seems like every every single night the Mariners just constantly mash the ball and put up runs and put up good A-Bs. And my favorite stat might be the 55 walks that they have, which is first in the American League, second in the Major Leagues. Uh, that's showing that not only are they smashing the ball all over the park, leading in RBIs, first in the American League in batting average, fourth overall, I mean, runs, they have 98 runs in 12 games. The A's are the second in the AL with 55 runs in 14 games. That's it's just it's been phenomenal all the way around. It's so an up and down the lineup. You mentioned five guys hitting over 300. That's crazy. Like that's yeah, it's early. We're not we're not saying this is obviously sustainable all the way up and down. But everyone in the lineup's doing something. Jay Bruce is now tied for the major league lead with seven home runs. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Vogelbach, two for four tonight. He's hitting 476. I, it's, it's unreal up and down the round. It seems like every night, no one wants, no pitcher wants any part of the Mariners. And I, we're going to get some more tests when we start facing some of the aces around the league. We've had a little bit of a break with the white Sox and Royals, but we handled Chris sale we handled Oakland. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just, it's getting increasingly more exciting and offense, especially, uh, unfortunately that's where the major excitement kind of ends. Um, uh, pitching is not quite on the same level as the offense uh it hasn't been terrible um but it's definitely not elite definitely not something we're super confident in especially the bullpen um and i'll let you kind of take it away on the only real dark spot in this glowing start for the mariners
1: uh, well i guess unfortunately this isn't the only dark spot um but that being said, it's not it's not a black spot. It's more of like a gray spot. So, um, like you said, the Mariners pitching isn't terrible, but it's not good either. Um, for example, they're 14th in ERA, and then be 16th in batting average against, which is middle of the pack. Um, I believe what, there's 32 teams in the league, so yeah, uh, middle of the pack, a little bit better, and then 19th in walks, which um, like again, isn't terrible, around middle of the pack, just a little below. Uh, but what uh makes us kind of hesitant on proclaiming this the best Mariners team of all time is you can't it's been kind of proven that you can't really win anything of significance <coughs> without at least good pitching. And right now the Mariners pitching isn't good. <coughs> um I'll kinda of let you get into the starting rotation and all that, but um the starting rotation hasn't been terrible. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it hasn't been kind of the solid all-around good uh, rotation that you kind of need to sustain. Um, any
0: yeah, and so I, you mentioned the starting rotation's <coughs> okay. Uh, the so the starter ERA on the season is a three seven three, which is actually pretty respectable. It would rank in the top ten and overall ERA in baseball. Uh, really, the only question, like big question marks, or kind of bad eras felix who knows what he's gonna do anytime he goes out there i mean he left with stomach virus <laughs> issues i sorry felix i'm sorry it was your birthday I... you're still a question mark who knows what you're gonna do you looked good in opening day for you i guess <laughs> for your season opener um but still he's a major question mark and wade leblanc has like a 4-2. I mean, it hasn't really mattered because in both of Wade LeBlanc starts, the Mariners scored 10-plus runs, and he's given up four to Boston and I think four or five to the White Sox. The White Sox are a good offense still. And so those aren't too big of deals. I mean, those are two really good teams, really good offensive teams. And so, I mean, this it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but, I mean, over as you look at the rotation on a whole, you kind of essentially have five three-starters. Or four three-starters and a Felix. You have Mike Leak, who's good. Never really been great. Uh, you say Kikuchi has the potential to be a two, maybe even a stretch as a number one. He's going to get hot. He's going to be legit. We've seen his stuff. It's nasty. The Mariners' defense, I guess the other dark spot I was alluding to, really has let him down in a couple of his starts. But he's looked good. I think he's going to have a legit second half. Um, and Marco Gonzalez. I... After his first start of the season, I predicted he was going to win eighteen. I, I loosely said he was going to win twenty, but I think he wins eighteen plus games this year. Um, I think he's going to kind of spook everybody, kind of have a Dallas Keuchel kind of breakout season. That's what the Mariners would need him to do, which is kind of put up almost ace-like numbers for the remainder of the season. I don't think that's necessarily his peak. I don't think he's going to be a legit ace. But I could see him putting up around a three ERA, um, maybe even a high two, which would be legit on a team like this. Um, and then you have Felix, like I said, who's a bum. Uh, <laughs> but like, that's the big question mark there in the rotation is how sustainable are these kind of middle-of-the-road guys, Mike Leake, Wade LeBlanc, uh, Marco Gonzalez, and of course Felix, throughout the remainder of the season. You have Justice Sheffield and the Miners, who's potentially eventually going to join that rotation. You hope Felix pitches well enough to where you can kind of replace Wade LeBlanc so the Mariners don't have four left-handed starters. Um, But either way, I'm actually pretty impressed with the starting rotation thus far. Um, And really, they've just kind of been doing what's been asked of them. If the Mariners are going to average 8.2 runs per game, then all they have to do is give up round four a game and hope the bullpen can hold on. If they eat five or six. We're in good shape. So I'm with the rotation. I've been pretty happy, um, but the bullpen is, I guess, where the true gray matter arrives at the spot here. It uh, yeah, and, and, and in the off season, and we tr- we traded away, um, Edwin Diaz, Alex Colome, um, James Pazos, I dudes that were legitimate horses in one of the best bullpens in baseball last year. And this year, we're sitting looking at a bunch of no-names. Hunter Strickland was probably one of the only recognizable dudes besides maybe Anthony Swarzak. Um, and Strickland's on the 60-day IL. So, 4-2-7, bullpen ERA thus far. It's cost us two games. We've lost... We blew that save with Strickland to Boston. And we blew a major comeback lead to lose 8-10 to to the White Sox of, earlier last week. And... So, and that's because it's literally it's filled with a bunch of no names guys that I have almost no confidence in Jason Bradford just went on the i l and I actually had semi confidence in him uh so <laughs> and you kind of speak on the pen it's it's a scary thought it's just kind of a void and
1: ugh. yeah you it it that's exactly what it is is a void <laughs> Like you mentioned, we we went from having one of the better bullpens in the league last year to having a bunch of like 2K generics, pretty much, in the bullpen. Um, we had the, arguably the best closer in the game, and now we don't really have a closer, really. Um, we're, it's kind of like up in the air and all that, determining who's going to be able to go out there and get three outs in the ninth inning, because, um, like you said, we've one of a or two of the losses, both of our lo- both of the losses this season came from uh, blowing games and stuff like that. So um, it's kind of, it's definitely not a good situation to be in. Um, but when you have a rotation where all the guys are solid, uh, minus Felix, I guess, unfortunately, um, like you said, we just don't know what you're gonna get from him from start to start. But having do a th- having a one through four that are not going to be a war course, but will be able to go out there and perform is huge and uh, giving us some time to kind of figure out the bullpen and all that. So, I mean, I'm hoping if we are, ch- if the Mariners are trying to kind of push this winning agenda that they're able to make some moves uh, to get some arms in that bullpen and at least, if we they need at least one or two dependable arms in the bullpen, um, at the very least. Yeah, so absolutely.
0: And I, to that note, uh, Jerry Depoto was asked what he would do if the Mariners remained in contention for the season, and he said he would reevaluate. He gave kind of a generic, I, "I'm going to reevaluate um, our plans for the future." And so that, to me, probably means he will flip and find a few. Good bullpen guys. He's actually pretty good at finding good hard-throwing bullpen guys. I already got Connor Sadzak, um, who I think actually makes a solid addition. Um, The Mariners called up Eric Swanson, our number nine prospect, to join the bullpen. Um, I think Jerry Depoto will trade for an arm somehow or another. Um, maybe it may end up being when he flips jay bruce or edwin encarnacion because we're not going to keep both of them if we're going to keep either in contention it'll probably be edwin because daniel vogelbach's a lefty and then you can flip edwin and vogie um, but with that in mind I'm not exactly sure if the Mariners are going to be able to keep this up. Another thing that might kind of prevent them and definitely doesn't help a so-so pitching staff is the defense. Uh and I know you had some numbers on this. Um it's not quite pretty.
1: Yeah, it's tough because uh, I I I value defense a lot. Um, personally, in my baseball career, I was defensive heavy. Uh wasn't too great with the bats. so I kind of had to make up for it with defense. Um basketball i'm huge into defense football as well i'm all about defense so i mean it's kind of tough seeing um my favorite baseball team anyway being the worst defensive team in baseball right now um, not it's not even really close at all um are last in them i'll be in errors with 30 last in fielding percent percentage I believe it's under 90 which is never good for a professional baseball team um I wouldn't even say that's good for like a JUCO baseball team honestly um it's just bad um <laughs> like you said like you said one of our games was just blown because of air after air after air, which is um unfair. yeah it was that game like, it was the Tim like... Beckham
0: three errors in one inning game and then the bullpen ultimately coughed it up after the managers came back from down eight to like eight to one i think six to one maybe
1: yeah yeah i mean you don't you hate losing by errors you hate losing by walks. That that's two things that you can pretty much control so you hate losing that, that way so i mean it's tough you hate to see it honestly it's crazy that tim beckham is still up there and um among the war leaders as of like last week or sometime he was tied with mike trout so, I mean, I guess, shout out to him. He's making up for it on the offensive end, I guess. But um, having a short you, – you need your shortstop to be able to anchor your defense. I mean, shortstop, in my opinion, is probably the second most valuable position um, defensively aside from catcher, uh, in my humble opinion anyway. But, um, yeah, long story short, Mayor's defense, absolute garbage. Um, but at least we have the offense to look at and – kind of sweeps the defense under the rug so i mean hopefully that offense keeps going um not the recipe for a sustainable uh, kind of winning at all really um having a really good offense all right pitching and bad defense just doesn't equal uh sustainable yeah
0: i i mean well quite frankly if the offense stays swinging it like they are i mean it they'll be able to beat anybody, but you got to imagine that 8.2 run total will come down at some point. But even if it lowers to a six, if the defense can slightly improve, which you imagine will happen as the season goes on, you get more into the groove. Um, then it could be sustainable. And I, I'm, I, my prospects, I'm predicting an 84, maybe 85 win season for the Mariners this year, um, which is an improvement, not going to be playoff worthy. Um, but if they stay hot, you never know. Um, A confident team is a scary team, especially in baseball, and who knows? I mean, this is a team of young guys that are – a lot of them are expected to compete now. I mean, uh, Vogelback, Hanager, Malik Smith, all guys in their prime. If Beckham's legit, he's in his prime too. So, I mean, all of a sudden, the Mariners are looking a little scary with something to do on the trade deadline. Um, So, I mean, you never know, but defense definitely got to get cleaned up. There was, I guess, one tidbit I'll mention that does represent how poor the defense has been thus far. Um, There is seven teams in Major League history, or I guess seven times in Major League history, that a player has had three errors in one inning. The last three have been Seattle Mariners with tim beckham most recently against the white Sox, and dylan moore in the ninth against the red Sox, i believe maybe the angels um but either way that's bad and that represents how bad it's been but like i was hoping for maybe it'll turn around um but yeah it's either way it's been exciting to watch and like i said you need to tune in and catch the mariners now just in case it doesn't last
1: yeah, exactly. So that's exactly why I'm trying to head to a Mariners game soon. Um, if you if you get the if you get the opportunity, you gotta head out to the Mariners game. Tickets are still cheap, so now now's a good time. I mean, if they keep doing good, ticket prices are only gonna go up. And if they end up falling off, you don't really want to go see a bad team play. So, <laughs> you guys gotta hop on that Mariners sort of bandwagon now and go watch some games.
0: Yep, absolutely, and with that, I guess we'll move from one franchise with that's got a lot of excitement right now to another <laughs> franchise that is probably in a state of blasphemy and confusion, uh, and I'll let you take it away.
1: Yeah, so this franchise actually has a ton of excitement going on, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, this franchise is, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers, as mentioned before, or in the intro, Um just a ton of stuff has gone down in the last two hours. <laughs> the f- biggest of course is Magic Johnson's quote, stepping down as the Lakers president of basketball operations. Um, just kind of my view of it real fast. Um, now let you talk about it is I don't, I don't think he really stepped down. I think it was more of a, you're either going to get fired or you can leave on your own terms and it doesn't look as bad. So that's kind of what, that's kind of how I thought it went down. Um, so what's kind of your, take on this and it really came out of nowhere I mean, <laughs> so, yeah I mean, what, yeah i mean this what, is literal what's your take on this? first
0: take reaction i mean we saw this 40 minutes before we were going to start our episode and i texted Ant and was like oh well, guess we're throwing in the magic johnson like we have to um i i was i was kind of shocked i mean i guess i didn't follow him super closely i mean there's reports that magic was away at times hadn't spoken to luke walton in weeks um this and that he wasn't a super committed President, and so that makes it a little more clear. Um, but off the bat, it was just it was crazy. Uh, out of nowhere, he got LeBron there. He was going to build the franchise up, he was getting his leeway, his room to work. Um, so it was definitely shocking. I'm really interested. First, first take here to see what Jeannie has to say to see if she really did have no idea about it. As he basically said in his announcement that he was too scared to tell Jeannie, couldn't tell her face to face. So that either means you're right, and she already knew, and she already well, she already had an idea because, like you said, it's a possible situation where it's stepped down or you're fired. Um, most likely because of his like a absence from being a fully committed team president, um, or she really has no idea and was still had had semi support in him, although probably had had some talks. Um, and she really had no idea and magic really did just step away of his own accord. Even if she maybe did still plan on possibly firing him, he might've seen it at his own personal out and that genie might not have given him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't like this at all. I mean, this whole kind of Laker project was a magic and LeBron project is pretty much what it was labeled as branded as and all that um magic got lebron to come to la Um, how much convincing he had to do i don't know because it seemed that like lebron was set on coming to la anyway but either way it was the lebron and magic or the magic and lebron show Um, they were going to work together they lebron has been compared to magic all of his career pretty much, um, in terms of play style and all that. So, I mean, it made sense that they were going to be two basketball minds trying to build a, another championship team for the Lakers and getting off on the wrong foot immediately, um, completely whiffing in free agency after signing LeBron, signing uh, not scrubs by any means, but role players, I mean, was not what any Lakers fans were expecting. Um, and then obviously how the season went down with the injuries and all that, missing the playoffs, only finishing two games better than they did last year. Um, I don't know. I I can't. I can't imagine Magic will leave year one of his own project um, under on his own willpower. I guess is what. Yeah. I would say.
0: Uh, his his comments make me feel like he really wasn't equipped for it, quite frankly. And the fact that he yeah. wasn't there. A lot and didn't have great communication which we talked about earlier in the year him and Luke Walton's bad communication and so clearly that was a bigger issue uh and so it just it shows to me whether or not it was of his own accord or not he whether it was his own project or not he clearly wasn't fully committed to it and he talks about how he wants to be free and talks to other players and graduated other players so that's that's another sign that he's not fully committed to the Lakers over everything and the Lakers championship is my main goal. And the Lakers, if I'm a Lakers franchise, I don't want that. But this season and signing LeBron whiffing on free agency, like you said, just leaves a really bad taste. And it's a very bad look for the Lakers franchise right now. And it's going to be kind of a scramble to, it's going to be a scramble in my eyes to convince big name free agents to want to come join LeBron in LA with who knows what it's not magic anymore.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if if it, if it was already tough enough to convince big time free agents to come to L.A. as we saw last uh, summer, so I mean, it's only going to be harder now. Um, the coaching staff is also f- quote fully expected to be fired um, sometime soon. So I mean, it's 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 just the whole meltdown going down in L.A. Uh, for the Lakers, and it's it's tough to see. I mean, I was rooting for Magic for sure, as a president of basketball operations, um, rooting somewhat for LeBron to contend or at least be relevant for the last years of his career and all that, Um, rooting low-key for the Lakers, because, I mean, basketball is usually always better when the Lakers are good, so, I mean, just huge letdown all the way around, and um, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, to see what happens from here.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be an exciting one to follow in the offseason as we know the Lakers are not making the playoffs. Um, but moving on um, from all that, I guess one kind of last shout-out um, and something both Ant and I wanted to talk about is, an so it's I guess it's an honorable mention, baller hybrid. Um, Dwayne, yeah, an honorable, honorable baller. baller. Uh, <laughs> and he really is an honorable baller. Dwayne Wade. Uh, playing his final final home game as they were eliminated from the playoffs tonight uh, when Pistons won. Uh, it, his final home game ever. This is it. This is the last we got to see of Dwayne Wade. Um, it, incredible, really. Incredible career. Uh, put up 30 points and a win over the 76ers. Um, just got to shout out D. Wade. Maybe we'll do a little something more on him later. I'd love to talk about him uh, a little more in depth, but... Just unreal, and your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Wade is one of my favorite players ever. Um, he's a lot of people's favorite players, if that makes sense, ever. He's really well-liked, um, well-respected, all that. Uh, super dope uh, that his son did the intro and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you saw the commercial that uh, they put out, Rachel Nichols. I saw it on Rachel Nichols's Twitter. Um, it was people from his past that he has helped out and stuff like that he's given scholarships scholarship to, uh i don't know i don't remember if it was bedweiser but um yeah so scholarships people given scholarships people whose uh, house burned down and he took them to go shopping to get a bunch of stuff that they needed um his mom was in it and stuff and instead of giving him a jersey they gave him like the person that he gave his scholarship to gave him her cap and gown and stuff like that so i mean it was a really dope commercial. Uh, definitely tear-jerking, to say the least. So I mean, to have that kind of capped off with Dwayne Wade going out there and dropping thirty in a win, um, it's it's really dope. I mean, to see a superstar of Dwayne Wade's magnitude go out on his own terms and not be washed and not be forced out of the league is it's always amazing to see that because it's it's good to have like this last memory of him. I mean, like to Kobe, Kobe did it to some extent. I mean, he did go out on a 60 game, but, um, he, his career is definitely going downhill fast. So it was good to see that he went out with 60, um, this whole season. I mean, the only thing everybody could talk about was, is this dude really retiring and all that? Um, but I mean, that's, that's really it. That's all, that's really all, all I say now. Like, like you said, we could probably do a whole episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal player, phenomenal human being. Um, Dwayne Wade is fantastic. Last thing I will say about the whole matter is I thought that the Miami Heat fans chanting Paul Pierce sucks was super epic. Uh, <laughs> no way on any planet is Paul Pierce better than Dwayne Wade.
1: Yeah, not in any alternate universe, anything like that. Um, that, that was just, that, was whole, that, that whole situation Ludicrous. was super funny. I mean, uh, the the clip where Jalen Rose kind of lists off Dwayne Wade's accomplishments versus Paul Pierce's is super funny the look on Paul Pierce's face is just uh, if you have <laughs> to see it you have to go watch
0: it absolutely uh, but with that that wraps up our episode and it's Big Red signing off
1: yep, this is Average Ant signing off thanks for listening and we'll catch you next episode